You're listening to the Mom Inspired Show, episode 274 with Jenny Opal. Welcome to the Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Well, hello, you guys. Happy Tuesday. If you are listening to this on January 25th, when this airs, it is my birthday today, and I'm super excited for my birthday this week. And if you guys have not heard me say this over the last few episodes in January for my birthday, I'm giving back um, in the month of January. And if you've been sitting on the fence in regards to setting up a coaching session, a mini session that is free with me, um, I'm giving out 10 free sessions. Um, for my listeners. And I actually have a couple spots left before the end of January. So if you've been on the fence and you're kind of like, ah, I don't know if I should do it. I highly encourage you to do it. There's nothing for you to lose. And I would love to meet you. And really you might be thinking, well, I don't need to lose weight. And and that's a lot of things that I talk about. And that is true. Um, I don't just coach on weight loss. And, and funny enough, um, I've talked about this before with coaching on weight loss, uh, when you're coaching on weight loss, a lot of times weight gain is a symptom of something else. So really I end up coaching my clients on a lot of other things because we're trying to figure out why the weight has come on and why are they eating and what are they avoiding or numbing out or, or trying to escape, um, in their other parts of their life. And, and the result was weight gain. So if you don't have weight as an issue, um, I would still love to coach you and um, would love to meet you. So if you haven't signed up and you want to do that, go ahead and do that. You can email me at amber at mominspiredshow.com and you can just put in the subject line, um, mini consultation, and we can set that up for you. Okay, you guys, I am super excited for Jenny to be on the show today. Um, I'm not going to dive into a ton in this intro uh, because I really just want you to hear what she has to say. I didn't actually see this episode going the way that it did, but we just ended up on certain topics. And I think it's so fascinating. And I think that as moms, these practices that she talks about with reflection is really going to help you. And um, the way she describes it and the benefits that we could get, um, I'm super excited to start trying this. And I would love to hear from you. If you guys end up doing this, email me, same email, amber at mominspiredshow.com. If you follow me on Instagram, um, mominspiredliving, DM me. If you've done this practice, I would love to hear what you got out of it and and what your experience was. Um, but I'm super excited just to kind of see how this plays out in my life. And, um, you know, we kind of just go, go, go all the time. There's really no white space. And I think we feel guilty if there's white space or, you know, if we just kind of take that time to just sit and not feel like, okay, but we can be sitting and folding laundry and we can be doing some other things and always trying to do five things at one time. And, uh, I, I think as moms, we can just run ourselves to the ground and then we wonder why we're so exhausted. And so I think this is just a great episode to leave you inspired that if you want to get to the next level in your life and you feel kind of stuck, I feel like these techniques that Jenny ends up talking about will do just that. So let's go to the show. Jenny, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Amber. Okay. So I like to start off the shows with icebreakers um, just to kind of, you know, inspire the listeners since it's called Mom Inspired Show. And um, I like asking the question, what is one thing that you wish you could tell your younger self? 
The advice I would give to my younger self is the advice I try to give to myself now, which is don't worry so much. Things have a way of working themselves out. Like I don't have to work hard to make everything all right. Yeah, I like that. And I do feel like as when you're younger, you really do worry about a lot of things. And I think as you age, you kind of let things go. You know, you don't real you realize like, okay, I don't need to be worried about all of this stuff. So um, I think that's great. Um, let's get started. How about you tell us your full name and where you live? Sure. My name is Ginny Opal and I live in New Jersey. All right. How do you, can you pronounce your uh, last name again so that everybody can hear it? Oh, it's Opal. It's spelled U-P-P-A-L. Oh, uh-huh. And uh, the U is more of an U and yeah. not an U, uh, so it's Opal. It almost makes me think of Opal, you know, a uh, stone, the, the stone Close. Opal. Yeah, a little bit. Close, Close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Ginny, how about you share with us how you got to where you are today, and then we'll we'll jump into the interview. So my background is uh, that I am actually originally from India. That's where I grew up, and I moved to the U.S. for grad school, decided to stay on spent about 20 years in my corporate career. And uh, in the middle of the pandemic, I found myself without a job like many others. And I, there is a story that I have been telling myself, which is that I'm a very action-oriented, driven person. And whatever success I've had in my career is because I did things. You know, I made bold moves. I moved to this country. I pivoted. I took risks and so on and so forth. But what I realized as I was reflecting on my life in the middle of the pandemic, was that before every big or major jump in my life, the fact is I had a period of that I would have called slowdown or downtime. And I don't want to acknowledge that because I'm a very action-oriented person. So I only want to acknowledge the moves I made, the actions I took, mm. and dismiss those periods. It's almost like I deny them because they weren't even pleasant. <laughs> Oh, interesting. And it it started me down this question of what really drives big success, massive success. Is it the massive action or is it those periods of thoughtful pauses that give rise to inspired action? The biggest irony of my life in the last two years is because I had the downtime during the pandemic, I wrote a book, which I never thought I would do. It was not in my life plan. Mm. I was going to go get a job, right? That's just all I wanted to do. Yeah. So it, it kind of proved the point and that's how I got here. That's interesting. And I mean, when you say to, when you had your downtime, so if you were thinking, okay, I don't want to talk about my downtime. Like I want to talk about all the actions. What do you think you associated with downtime that you feel like that's kind of a negative? Right. There is a, what I used to and what I think now. Right. Right. I used to think of downtime as I'm not doing enough. Mm. The voice in my head would be, you're not doing enough. And if you are not doing enough, you are being, you are at risk of being left behind Oh, as if, as if I'm not taking responsibility by taking action. That is my, that is what I used to think. And which is why I would, I, I, you know, the advice I said, I want to give to the younger me even two years ago is Progress doesn't happen just because I am the one doing this, that, and the other. I've got to, mm. that's that's what I realized in the process of writing the book and in practicing it while writing the book, real progress comes from those moments of downtime. So now I embrace them a little more. I'm more tolerant of that downtime. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because um, I do feel like there's so much to be realized when you have that downtime, when you're not rushing from one thing to another. And I feel like many people 
want to avoid that downtime because they don't want to really sit and think about um, what's going on with their lives. And, you know, it may seem scary. And so for you, when you thought about like slowing down and um, just having that downtime, did you feel like during the time during the pandemic that you wouldn't find another job? Is that what that felt like when you felt like you would be kind of left behind? Right. I mean, it's more like you, you, yes, you're slowing down, you're missing out or that I'm not being thoughtful enough about mm. what do I want to do? So I have a retail e-commerce background, which is very fast moving. Things change rapidly. So you yeah. kind of have to keep up with the changes. Yeah. And this seemed, I could, I could tell this is probably going to be a longer period of a crisis when it comes to the industry that I am in. So yes, it's the pressure of you're going to be, you're missing out or you're not building enough for the future. That's how, that's, that's where the pressure used to come from. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And so what made you decide to write a book when that wasn't even on your mind or even on your, you know, you know, bucket list to do? Right. I mean, it was, uh, this observation, as I was reflecting on my life, it, it started as a curiosity, as a question. And yeah. I've come to realize that most authors, the best books and authors who do write and finish writing and publishing, the best way to, to write a good book and finish and publish the book is to think of it as a quest for answers rather than a need to tell everybody what it is. So it, oh. it started out as a quest for myself, for my own life. And it grew, you know, it became more interesting because I interviewed about 36 people who are considered very successful in their lives mm. in different professions, sports, healthcare, investment management. And they all, to my pleasant surprise, were echoing a lot of what I was saying. So it became validated to me that, hey, this is a strategy. You know, I may have thought that taking action and taking risks is a strategy, and that is one strategy, but giving yourself a reflective pause is another strategy which gets to great results. The name of my book is In Action, Rethinking the Path to Results. So our default path to results is taking action, and what I'm presenting is give yourself a break. You might come up with an even better idea, which mm. gets you to better results. Yeah. Well, let's jump into um the reflective thinking, because I want to get your thoughts on that. I was going to ask you this further down, but since we're talking about it, why do you think for you, it was so important and, and why it's such an important tool that I think would really help other women, especially moms, um, to just slow down and have that reflective thinking and, and why people resist it? Good question. I looked into the, the psychology, the research of why, where does this action bias come from? And I talk a little bit into, into detail of what are the triggers for action bias. What's happened over a period of time, at least I can speak to the recent decades because I've lived in this country and I've been an, an adult, so I can, I, I remember how life has developed. Mm -hmm. There is this overall sense of life has become very complex. Success is harder to come by and there's a lot to do. You know, FOMO, fear of missing out, has become a word in our language. Mm -hmm. We don't yes. want to miss out. <laughs> right. This is a new word, only the last couple of decades. So we have, we have fallen into this pattern where our wiring is we are very action-driven. We don't want to miss out. And then it becomes uh, the, the, cover, the book cover design is a hamster wheel mm. where you are moving, you're running, but you don't realize you're just going round and round. 
you're not moving forward, <laughs> right. but you just don't know what else to do. So it's <laughs> it's like we are trapped in our own lifestyle of always being on the run. And reflective thinking may sound like an academic term, like what does that even mean? Mm. But in your own life, and whoever is listening to this, I'm willing to bet there was a time when you paused, reconsidered, or thought about what you were about to do, and you took a different action path afterwards. We've all experienced this. We know what reflective thinking or taking a break is and how good it is. We just don't know how to do it, or we're not in the habit of doing it. Well, right. And too, like when you think about reflective thinking, okay, so if someone's listening to this and they're kind of like, okay, Jenny, how do I start this? Like, am I doing this every day? Am I doing this for a certain amount of time? Are you talking about like months, years, every single day? Do you see how like people, it's kind of like we were talking about this before we started recording is meditation. I think people, I think they overthink it. And then they're just kind of like, I don't really know. So with reflective thinking, if you could like tell moms, especially very busy moms, and they just kind of like at their wits end and they just kind of throw themselves onto the bed at the end of the night. What would you say to them? Like, what is the minimum dose that would be beneficial with reflective thinking? Right. With a lot of people, especially busy moms, I don't think they are in control of their schedule because somebody else runs their day. <laughs> so I, I want to make sure that none of, yeah, like none of, th- this is not about now intimidating the heck out of yourself that now sure. I have to take a break, which yeah, is yeah, yeah, another yeah. job. Right. Yeah, I get that. So what I would say is start really small. If, if you have a meditation practice, good, but I've met quite a lot of people who find meditation very intimidating. Right. And it takes time to even the moment you sit down, you know, all the thoughts rush and actually that can be even more scary for a lot of people. So unless you have a good teacher to help you with your meditation practice, um, there is some interesting research I came across, Amber, um, from an American neurologist mm. from about 20 years ago, where they found something interesting. Oh. When we are not engaged in an activity, and activity means something that takes up our senses, reading is actually an activity. You may think you're just reading Reading, a a novel but yeah your sense is occupied Mm. when you when you're sitting there and your senses are not busy or occupied there are parts of the brain that light up and those parts of the brain are called the default mode network their job is to connect the dots between all the ideas and information you've been collecting and to come up with creative solutions think of the aha moment people will often tell me that the best ideas come to me in the shower or when I'm driving, when I'm, you know, my, your engagement level is pretty low. low. Yes. What I would suggest as a starting point, and I actually started doing this a few months ago when I was writing the book is, it may sound funny, but I scheduled half an hour uh, a meeting with myself twice yeah. a week and I called it mind wandering. Mm. And my, my job in that half an hour was to sit there, stare out the window and let my mind go wherever it wants to because it's it's sorting things out. I love that. It's solving problems. Yeah. And if you have to schedule it, then so be it. Yeah. <laughs> but don't make a job out of it. I didn't always do it when I was scheduled to do it, but it was it kept the topic alive in my life. So find some way of keeping the topic alive. Try it a couple of times. Mm. If it works for you, you'll want to do it again. I love it. Now, did you find for yourself, like, did you want to start writing things down, but then does that turn it into an activity? So didn't they, did you just kind of let, so if it's kind of like solving problems, 
And then you're kind of like, oh no, I don't want to forget that it's solving this problem. I don't want to write it down. Is that then changing you out of um, that kind of down reflective thinking? Or do you feel like writing what you're thinking is okay? Does that make sense? That's a wonderful question. And I'm so glad you asked me that. You have to trust (laughs) that your mind (laughs) is doing its job. And uh, (laughs) if you write it, then yes, you are, you are, you are changing the, the brain function, like this other part of your brain, which now has to deal with your hand movement. Oh yes. Okay. Trust. You have to try. And and I've, and I've now been, I will call it practicing. Mm -hmm. It, It may sound funny, but I'm practicing mind wandering. And over the, over the months I've come to realize Good ideas, powerful ideas will stay. Yes. Yeah. It it won't run away. It won't go hide. I love that. I love that because I know, I know there's moms out there like, wait, I got to get my notebook. Like I got to write this, but right. Like that. I love that you say that. And I, obviously we know that you can't write without your brain telling your hand to write, but like you forget that your brain is having to now switch gears to go into that and how you're saying that, you know, it changes the brain activity. Can you restate again what you were saying when you are doing nothing? You, I think you said it lights up the brain a certain way. Is that what you said? Right. It's, um, it's when your, your senses are not engaged, mm. deeply engaged in an activity, which okay. in other words is you are not doing anything. Yeah. But you could be walking aimlessly where okay. you're a little bit you know, your brain is, your senses are less engaged. So it's all degrees of engagement. So when your senses are not engaged, mm-hmm. then there are parts of the brain that light up called default mode network. Okay. And the moment you get busy reading, binge watching, listening yeah. to music, then the brain shifts because it's got to oh, yeah. process the signals coming in from your ears and eyes yes. and so on. Okay. I love that. Okay. Um, that is really great. I think that really helps people understand that a little bit better. Um, and I do think that would be really challenging for people to just sit there and let your mind wander. And I like that you said, kind of looking out the window and so you said a half hour. Okay. Do you feel like a half hour really kind of lets your brain get into that mode? Is that, is that where you pick 30 minutes? Um, I, I picked 30 minutes because I could make that commitment. Okay. So and this is where do you it. don't, you don't want to force yourself sure. over okay. time. In the last couple of days, Amber, I, I am kind of planning, you know, my my career, my next moves, and I'm finding that I automatically, it becomes an hour and I give myself that time. So oh. trust that okay. what is more important here is not so much to follow a formula mm-hmm. that I might be offering, but to give it a try. Because once you once you see the positive effect, you'll be motivated to do more of it. You mm. you have to see for yourself that this works, then you'll give it an hour. Yeah. You yeah. You'll start prioritizing your life to say, I've got to do this. This is important for me. Yes. And so I just want to, I, I want to kind of point out the differences because you do um, meditation. If someone was thinking, how is this different than meditation? Would you say this is the same as meditation or you say, no, this is different? Uh, that's I'm I'm enjoying the questions you're asking me, Amber, because it it takes me to different parts of the book. I had the same question. I had okay. the same question. I was like, so <laughs> meditation is good for creative thinking, oh. and mind wandering, which technically is the opposite of meditation. So if you go to a meditation class, the teacher will tell you, 
you know, your mind keeps wandering. That's a horrible thing. Meditation oh. is the answer, the antidote, because it brings you to the present moment. So to me, it sounded like it was conflicting everything I've heard about why meditation is good and mind wandering <laughs> is bad. And now this research is telling me mind wandering is good. So mm. you are driving me crazy. Yes. Yep. And I, I spent hours and days looking up research. And, and finally, I found the answer. There was this one, there is one psychologist, Jonathan Schooler, who literally did a study with people who do mindfulness meditation and people okay. who did mind wandering in half an hour. And they gave them creative problems. And the research findings got pretty dense and nuanced. The I'll summarize it the way I write it in the book. Mind wandering gives you creative ideas as if it came out of nowhere. Mm. Think Archimedes, who was, you know, sinking into the tub and as if he suddenly realized something. Mm. Like things just connect that you, it's like, oh, you know, it's like an aha moment. Mindfulness meditators, the quality that they develop over time is they can observe deep into the situation and find the solution there. This is very nuanced. And for everyday use, for an average person like mm -hmm. me, it doesn't matter. Right. The, the moral of the story is it doesn't matter. If meditation is your cup of tea, Right. practice that. If okay. meditation is intimidating, because it is for many people, then don't give up on mind wandering. It's actually mm -hmm. fun. After a while, you'll enjoy sitting there. Yeah. You know, letting your mind go around. You will see the results. You'll enjoy it. I want to ask you too, like when you say you'll see results and then you're kind of like, this will make you want to do it longer. What do you think, what are some results that you notice pretty quickly that people could really gravitate towards just listening to why mind wandering is beneficial? Right. So when I was writing the book, this is the first time I was writing a book. I have a corporate, you know, technology business background. Writing a book, especially on a behavioral topic, a, something to do with the mind, is it's not my expertise. And right. it can be very difficult when you're first writing the book because it's a very creative endeavor on a topic that I'm not yet the expert on. Mm. And uh, any author, I think any creative person will, will recognize you get stuck. You get yeah. horribly stuck. You get very lost. The old me would have doubled down. I got to get these 5,000 words out. I don't care if I have to work till midnight. I'm, I'm going to finish this. Mm. As counterintuitive as it sounds, I would take these mind-wandering breaks. I would go to the coffee shop, sit for an hour. And it was, at some point, it became almost magical how sentences, phrases would emerge. And I would not write them down because, like I said, that's not the You're point not of this. Right. <laughs> and I would not forget it either. Mm. And it doesn't matter because the phrases maybe have yet to evolve. Mm. I would suddenly remember this research. Oh, wait, I came across something two months ago. Let me go look it up. Uh, okay. So yeah. for me personally, it's it's unpredictable what will happen, but it is going to be magical. Like you can't control that process. Mm. Don't try to, but trust that process will be magical. I love that. Also too, so you, you did my wandering in public, like at a coffee shop is what you're saying? I have learned to become comfortable to sit in public, stare into nothing and not be embarrassed. Mm. Okay. So if people can do that, right? Like they can just kind of, now if you're people watching, is that, is that taking your brain out of a different um, out of mind wandering, like, cause you're watching that or so do you need to be careful with that? What's your thoughts 
Right. It depends. I Because I do go to a coffee shop, you know, just to get out of my home. Yeah. I've been homebound like most of us. Right. And um, it, it's like you have to experience this. Your, okay. your mind will zone out. Okay. In yeah. the sense, your 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 eyes are open. You're looking, but you're not mm. looking at anybody. You're not really and, looking. And that's, yes. And you and you, if you let yourself go and not get conscious about it, and if you're going to be conscious, then do it. Th- they don't be do it home. There. <laughs> yeah. Right. Then don't do it there. <laughs> uh, but you'll you'll see. You've got to have the experience. Let the mind go. Let it, it go. Yeah. Yeah. Because I why why I ask because that might sound that might resonate with someone more than just like they're like okay I'm sitting at home because maybe somebody needs. Maybe someone's like, well, I'm actually leaving the kids with a babysitter. So me looking out my window is not going to be ideal. But you know what? Leaving the kids with a babysitter, going to a coffee house and kind of zoning out, that could actually be realistic. So so that's kind of why I wanted to you know, pick your brain on that. Um, there was something else that I was going to ask you about that, and then we can move forward. Um, oh. oh, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was yeah, go going ahead. to share the, the story of uh, a woman. Yeah. Uh, she's actually my niece and we are very close in age. She has two kids. I am their godmother. It's not a religious thing for me, but yeah. uh, we, I just happen to be very close. And sure. I see them a lot okay. and I don't have children of my own. Yeah. And I I noticed that uh, whenever I offer to take the kids off her hands, you know, mm-hmm. she and her busy her husband have busy, crazy jobs. She would fill the time with errands, jobs to finish. Yes. <laughs> And then one day I made it a condition. I said, I'll take the kids for the whole day. If you promise, you will leave the home and not do any errands. Oh, my gosh. She went for a, she went for a hike. She walked nine miles. And this wow. is a person who considers herself not very healthy, not in shape, overweight. And that's a lot for her to work without yes. crashing. She yeah. didn't like she wasn't like exhausted or anything. Wow. And she was going through, you know, stuff in her work life. It was it was mm. really boiling, coming to a boiling point. It's like you've got to you've got to choose to give yourself the break. If yes. the baby, if there's a babysitter, yes. somebody who can take the kids off your hand, don't fill it up with other to dos. Yes, because you're not really solving the problem. Right, that's I the half the wheel. Right, you're going around needs and around. Everyone a godmother like you. Okay, everyone needs a godmother <laughs> like you. Where you're like, this is the stipulation. Okay, you need to not do work when I'm right. your kids. Those are my terms and conditions. I love it. I absolutely love that. Well, and it's so great that you recognize that. I mean, how how lucky that she is to have you in her life and that you could recognize that because and there's many people that I feel like that's one of the issues that moms have is that people are not even recognizing that they're kind of drowning and they're just it's like they're always taking care of other people and so they have nothing to give. It's just like they're just running themselves to the ground. So the fact that you are aware enough and to help her. So you kind of had to give her that nudge. I mean, it's such a beautiful gift um, that you could do that. So um, I, I think that's great. Um, th- I want to I want to go into this because it talks, I, it's talking about like running ourselves to the ground, um, especially as mom's trying to do all these things. Um, I want to talk about hustling because, you know, uh, I'm building my coaching business and I have the podcast and I have kids and all this kind of stuff. And when you start seeing everything out there with uh, building a practice or building a business or doing a side hustle, right? Even even hustle is in the 
in the term side hustle, um, I think we think about like, we're always hustling. Like we got to hustle. This is the only way that we're going to be able to achieve and be successful. Um, and how this has become the norm. And if you're not Uh hustling, people are gonna be like, you're lazy. This is why you're not successful because you're not hustling and you're not, you know, it's, there's not enough grit or grind or whatever. And, um, what are your thoughts about this? I mean, we've just kind of gone to the mind wandering, but I do want to talk about hustling because I think people associate that as a positive, like kind of like what you were saying, like you like do, do, do and take action. And, and you think of those as positive words. Um, Uh I feel like people think, oh, you're hustling. You're a hustler. Oh, you're like person Uh who has their stuff together. You're going after it. Right. So what is your thoughts about that? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting uh, point you make. Uh, The word hustling is an old word. Mm. And it all it meant was you're you're really I I sometimes use a different word schlepping I don't Schle- know if that, how oh, common yeah, like schlepping <laughs> well I think about schlep like when you go to the beach with kids okay let me just say Jenny you're going to the beach all the moms will understand that you're like schlepping all of the beach stuff from right. the condo <laughs> to the sand and you're like so sweaty by the time you even get there you've just carried your whole house so you're schlepping everything right, around right. <laughs> so I think the act of hustling or schlepping is it happens and it it kind of makes you come alive. If it Mm. is happening every now and then, Mm. the problem is not in hustling per se. The problem is in the hustle culture, Mm. which is where hustling has become the norm. It has become the default. That's just what we do all day long. And we glamorize it to your point. Yeah. The glamorizing and glorifying of hustle culture is relatively new in the last 10 years. You know, social media gave rise to this new class of influencers who Mm -hmm. were, like you said, experimenting with the gig economy, all these side hustles. And they, they found that to be successful with multiple gigs, even though it's empowering that I don't need a nine to five job. Yeah. But what people realize it takes a lot of effort, right? It can take years to break even to make money. So they, but now they're committed to this lifestyle and they have this audience on social media. So they started showing off these 80-hour work weeks and hustling. So it got glamorized in the last 10 years. The question is, what do I want to sign? How much do I want popular culture to influence my choices? Well, yeah. How how long do I think I'm going to last living this lifestyle of hustle culture? I, I found research and I quote in the book about how people, you know, who are working hard, long hours, they are also then signing up for prescription stimulants yeah, because you've got to, yes. you need something to stay awake. Well, right. And you're working 80 hours. Between, <laughs> yeah. Especially. So people between 20, 39, which is where a lot of moms fall, yep. they, that's what they do. They are the fastest rising segment for prescription stimulants. And it's all, it's okay if you have to pull an all nighter once or twice, but to do it as a lifestyle, it's a burnout waiting to happen. Mm. And unfortunately, again, people like on social media to talk about their successes, not mm-hmm. their failures. Although yes. recently, I think people are becoming more honest. Yes. How how they burnt out and and you know advising others don't don't do what I did. Mm, exactly. Uh, so I think it's a wake up call for us before we are the ones who burn out. That maybe that's not a long term lifestyle. Yes, I agree. Um, I wanted to ask you. So if people. Uh, cause we're almost at the end of the show. So if there's anything else you want to share with us, I, this would be a great time, but I do want you just to kind of touch on meditation a little bit. So if people were going to do mind wandering, I wanted to go back to this really quick. So mm-hmm. you came up with 30 minutes. If people can only do 10 minutes twice a week, would you say that's still beneficial than nothing at all? 
I think anything is better than nothing. You, you know, there's something else I started doing, Amber. Mm-hmm. I'm what? doing these podcast interviews, which even though I'm getting more comfortable with yeah. them, they do make me nervous or sure. they used to make me more nervous. Like, yeah. you know, I'm like, I'm going to say something about my book. Yeah. I, I learned this trick from a Dutch entrepreneur I interviewed where before every major client pitch, he would take time and instead of rehearsing, which is what everybody, you know, your default is let me let me practice what I'm going to yeah, say. Right. He would mind wander. And I started doing that for 10 minutes before major meetings or Mm. major podcast interviews. 10 minutes. It's more about you discovering the power of giving your mind a break. So the more intense something is, the more effective a a break you give yourself, even if it is only 10 minutes, the more Mm. powerful it will be. So start somewhere is my recommendation. Yes. Okay. So start somewhere. Okay. So let's jump into um, meditation and um, what do you, so we talked about how it's a little bit different, but what have you found it has helped you with? And why don't you share what you share with me before, like how long you've been doing it and, and how you finally just feel like it has gotten easier or whatever that looks like. I, I would love for you to share that. Right, right. Uh, So I got into my meditation practice in 2008. And here's what happens when you first get into meditation. I actually wrote a piece about this in Thrive Global. And it is, it's actually, the the reason why people find meditation difficult is because of our action bias. So there is this apparent promise that meditation will help you get to a no thought place, right? Or it'll make you happy. That's what we've all heard. Yeah. When you sit down in meditation, unexpectedly, this happens with new meditators, thoughts come rushing Mm. into your mind. And for new meditators, it kind of freaks them out. I've had many people tell me, I get too many thoughts. Maybe Mm. my mind goes too fast. And I tell them, you're just being human. The human mind goes that fast. You're not, you're not, you're not as special as you think you are, that your mind is going faster than others. (laughs) Right. So the idea of meditation is to observe whatever is happening in your mind or in your body, you know, and itch develops, it is practicing inaction, strategic inaction. You don't do anything about it because if you scratch that itch, it'll move to another part of the body. And now you've gone to the hamster wheel of itching yourself till the end of the meditation. Okay. (laughs) So in many ways, the act of meditation is practicing thoughtful pauses in micro moments, you know, in that 20 minutes. So it it may sound very silly when a teacher says, bring your attention back to your breath or ignore the itch, but there is like a, there is a science behind it. Like it is, you're practicing the habit of waiting, observing and letting things evolve. So it's, it's hard, which is why it's hard for a lot of people who start with meditation, mm-hmm. unless you have a good teacher, mm. uh, it can be, it can be intimidating and people give up very quickly. Now, if um, now, would you suggest like, so do you go to a class kind of like someone going to a yoga class or are you listening on an app or you can do it at home by yourself without a guided meditation? Like wh- where are you with right. that? Mm-hmm. I would say in the beginning, if you're new, get a community and get a good teacher. So I, when I started in 2008, uh, I did practice with an organization mm-hmm. and uh, over time, I also practiced with Buddhist organizations or organizations that teach from the Vedic style, which is ancient Southeast Mm. Asia. I would say the style doesn't matter as much as you find a teacher and a community that will help you get to a habit 
and mm. stick to it for about six months. Now it is such an integrated part of my life that you couldn't take it away if you wanted to. Mm. So do you I, do I could, daily? I could not do it. I have yeah. a daily meditation. I also do multi-day silent retreats every few months. Oh, wow. So I go into silence for two, three days. Now it's almost as important to me as uh, going to sleep is, right? Wow. I wouldn't give up on my sleep. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and so, you know, a lot of people that listen to my show are Christians. So if they didn't want to go to a Buddhist um, like meditation, would you just suggest trying to, uh, I don't know, like find a meditation that's not based off of religion per se or like... Plenty. Uh, okay. I once went to a Catholic monastery when I lived in California for oh. a three-day okay. self, <laughs> self-solitude and they, they talked, they were it was all about meditation because it's set up for people to go there and meditate. Mm. Uh, meditation is simply, meditation is taking what I described as mind wandering yeah. one step further oh, yeah. where you can keep your eyes closed. There is open eye meditation as well. The point of meditation is simply observe what's happening. No matter what happens, thoughts come, itch happens, a noise becomes <laughs> irritating let it observe it and then come back to your breath. And breath is very mm. often presented as a as a way to anchor you, something oh. to come back to. So these, it sounds esoteric, but there's a very practical reason why. Mm. Why breath? Because you have it. It's yeah. always there. I love it. Yes. So how long do you do it um, every day? My daily practice involves uh, some breathing exercises I do, which last about 10 minutes. And then I um, do sitting meditation for 20 minutes, so total half an hour. Okay. Yeah, that, that's great. Okay. So as we end, Jenny, is there anything else you want to share with us that we might have missed before we end? Uh, no, I think you had wonderful questions okay. and I really enjoyed, uh, you know, I love, I love listening, uh, listening back from readers, getting feedback on, does this make sense? Is there mm, yeah. like, is this something we want to try? So I'm very happy to, uh, you know, communicate with people offline. It's easy to reach me on my website. I'm happy to share that uh, yeah, information I'll put that as in well. the show notes as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, perfect. Yeah. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was very helpful. And um, it, it definitely has me thinking about just kind of, you know, letting my mind wander and just, you know, looking out to nowhere and, and, and just kind of I guess seeing where that goes, right? Like it kind of has me a little bit excited. So, um, and that's just something that I know moms can do easily, even if it's five minutes. So I, I appreciate you sharing all of this. It was wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. And I fully appreciate how difficult the life of mothers is. And I feel like if anybody, I would love for moms to try this out because it's it's just I don't want moms to burn themselves out. Yes. Like that would not be a good thing. So. Yes, exactly. Whatever it takes to, yeah, for them to, you know, have more happier lives. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Amber. Hey, friends, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I wanted to remind you, if you have not grabbed your free copy of Getting Back Into Your Routine Worksheet, make sure to go do that. You just have to go to mominspiredshow.com forward slash routine and get a copy that teaches you how to easily get back into your routine. If you have to lose weight or not, this will help you 
get after your goals. And sometimes after the holidays and just traveling and maybe being sick, you find yourself just, you know, kind of like in a funk. You're out of your rhythm. You don't have the motivation. You're not doing the things that you normally do. This is what I love to use when I'm trying to get back into my routine to go after my goals. Um, So I know it will help you as well. So I hope you go and grab that today. All right, you guys, I'll see you next week. 